Welcome to 10 Minute Tips to Teach Music with Clarissa Custom Music's very own Kerry Lacey. Hey everybody, welcome to 10 Minute Tips to Teach Music. It's Kerry Lacey and this is episode 10 today. You'll have to forgive me, I'm actually, believe it or not, driving in the car on my way to my final HSC music exam for a group of students that I'm playing for today. Uh, For those that are in Sydney, you'll know how I'm feeling and what it's like. This week is prac week and next week, of course, as well. And there's lots of students who've spent the last 12 months preparing and getting all of their pieces sorted and their vivas and submissions for compositions and essays and all sorts of things. And of course, this week and next week are the D-Day, it's the day that it all comes into fruition for them, let's hope. So you'll have to forgive me, it's a stunning day here in Sydney, albeit a bit windy, but uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. And unfortunately the car trip in is about the only 10 minutes I've got in my day today to get the podcast recorded, so we're going to do it from the car. So welcome to my new car, Um, it's it's a very nice ride, I hope you enjoy the trip in. Uh, We've actually got a really cool podcast today. I was going to talk about some other musical concerts, but today I thought I might talk about some of the things that I've had to deal with over the last 12 months preparing students for that HSC. I had the pleasure of watching my class um, do their exam recently and um, having watched them execute 12 months of work. And it reminded me of the fundamentals that I teach my students from year seven right through to 12, and that's the art of mastery. One of the big things about being a musician and being an entertainer and and constantly, uh, you're constantly working on your craft, because let's be realistic, that's what being a muso is, it's a craft, and we never stop learning. So we never stop growing, we never stop achieving, and we're constantly uh, pushing ourselves to master the craft of whatever instrument it is that we've chosen, whether it be vocals or, or a musical instrument of some sort, or whether it be anything, actually sport or, or uh, maths or English, it doesn't really matter. Whatever we're trying to master, we will always spend our time doing to, to get the best out of ourselves for that particular um, skill. Well, music's no different. And I always teach my students about the fact that mastery is, there's three levels to mastery. You know, there's um, knowing, because knowing's very important. There's actually doing, so there's the action of it. And then, of course, there's the living it. And I've had the pleasure of watching a number of my students fall into a number of those different spots over the last 12 months. I think the one thing that was uh, very obvious is every single one of them were living it toward the end as they prepared in the last you know, three or four weeks they were doing nothing more than eating, sleeping and playing. And they come off that high cycle, I suppose, and they're not quite sure what to do with themselves when they finish. But with, um, with practical exams and so forth, the thing about music is that it should be a living art. So the students need to, you need to, to engage the students in good practices to begin with. We all know the analogy of 10,000 hours makes a master in anything. Um, So it's all about time. And unfortunately, teaching our students the value of the long journey rather than the short outcome is not an easy one. Uh, So some of the strategies that I use to uh, 
motivate the students toward the end game is looking at the program, looking at where they need to peak particular pieces, uh, looking at where they actually have to have this piece ready or that piece ready for an assessment or how far are we going to get that ready? Are we going to get that ready to 50% or 75% or 85%? You know, when we get to trials, are we going to have that at 90%? Because we've still got a month to go when we get back. When we finish up at trials, what's our feedback like? What am I going to give them? I normally give them a list of what was great, what kind of affected their mark and then what they can do between now and the actual HSC in order to improve and you pray that they execute if you've trained them properly they should execute the um, instructions you give them and the advice you give them hopefully they execute that in that month so that when they walk out of that room on that any given day that they're doing their exam they actually do better than trials because let's be realistic that's what you're aiming for because every day has got to be better than the last and then when every day is better than the last then you know that your mastery skill is working, that your attention to detail is working. So that's kind of what today's session is about, I suppose. It's a little less about being a dabbler and more about being a master. I say to a lot of my students uh, on a one-to-one basis generally, um, you can dabble, you can choose to dabble, or you can choose to master. The difference between a dabbler and a master, of course, is that a dabbler is kind of only going to do it once or twice and hope that it all kind of falls together that's what a dabbler does whereas a master will repeat and repeat and repeat they will go over things they will pull things apart they will dissect it they will look at the details they'll come up with strategies and tactics in order to improve a particular skill or a technique that they need to in that work and then they'll rework it back into the piece as a whole I'm sure you've all got strategies for your students um, with regard to this matter, but you've got to remember the learning styles of your kids, whether they're kinesthetic or whether they're auditory or whether they're visual. Now one neat little trick I use a lot with my classes in the first couple of lessons that I have with them actually, the first 10 minutes of a lesson, you can pretty much tell whether a kid's predominance is kinesthetic, visual or auditory just by the way that they listen to you speak. Whenever I meet a class for the first time, the very first thing I do is I talk to them for about 10 minutes. Because that will tell me who's who at the zoo. It really will. Because your kinesthetic learners, the kids who need to get up and do stuff, will be fiddling. They're the ones that won't be able to sit still in their seat. They're the ones after about four or five minutes are kind of drawing on their pad, particularly if you're not writing anything. They'll be noodling on their pad or they'll be, you know, flicking their pen or they'll be fussing with their fingers or tapping things on the table or those kids. They're those kids. They're your kinesthetic primaries. Your uh, visuals, they're the kids that are looking around the room. So they're still listening to you, but they're the ones that are sort of looking off to the side. I'm not sure if you've had this experience, but if you talk to somebody and you say to them, oh, look, tell me about, you know, what happened to you on Tuesday. If... If you look at the person when you ask them that to do that and you watch them, anyone who's visual will look up to their prominent side, whether it be left or right, and they'll look into the air above your head and they'll go, oh yeah, that's right, I did this, this and this. And the reason is because they're heavily visual. So they're picturing what they were doing on that particular day or they were picturing what thing you've asked them about 
so that they can describe it or explain it or whatever. So your visual learners, they're going to be the kids that while you're talking are going to be looking up into one corner of the room. They're going to be thinking about things. They're going to look like they're not paying attention, but they actually are because what they're doing is they're visualizing. They're putting that into word, into a picture, whatever it is you're explaining. And then your auditory kids, the kids who just absolutely love to listen, they're the ones that are going to be fascinated by you. They're the ones that are going to be hanging off every single word, particularly if what you say is cool or interesting. So whenever I meet a class for the first time, I'm always talking to them about the rules. I'm always talking to them about the way I teach. I always have a chat to them and say to them, look, you know, you're an intelligent group of people. You have a brain with two arms and two legs that work. So I'm not particularly interested in what color pen you use on your pad. I'm not particularly interested in whether you have a, a five centimeter margin on the side of your page or not, right? You make those decisions for yourself because you're a smart kid. You can make those choices. I'm not really interested, particularly Year 7, if you have a total page or not in your book. If you want a total page in your book, then you go right for it. That shows me who you are and how individual you are and what sort of a, a kid you are. Now, your visual kids are going to go straight on to looking into the corner of the room and designing that front page. That's what they're going to be doing. Whereas your kinesthetic kids have probably already started designing the page in front of you. You know, so you can actually find out how your kid's professional uh, preferred learning style is by simply talking to them for 10 minutes in a classroom, in a whole class. And it gives you a bit of a basic idea. And then you kind of know what you're dealing with. So today's lesson's a bit of a mishmash. I know the podcast has kind of gone from one side to the other. But once you work out what their visual or, or kinesthetic or auditory preferred style is, then you can target the way that you prepare them in their performance. If they're auditory, then obviously, if that's their predominance, then you obviously want them to be listening to their own recordings. You obviously want them to be listening to the recordings of the masters. You know, getting them to focus in on the sorts of things that uh, they need to pay attention to, whether it be the length of note, whether it be the use of the pedal, whether it be the articulation, whether it be the way the phrase builds through the performance. If they're uh, visual learners, then you're obviously going to want them to go to YouTube or, or to go to concerts and have a look at pieces of music. I've got a group of, of students that are that go to concerts four times a year, and they actually have come up with a really cool idea. They want to take the scores of the music along with them because they love watching the orchestra, but some of my students are very much um, visual in the sense that they want to see the music going past at the same time. They find that incredibly valuable to find the compositional devices and the way the music's been structured. And when they said that to me, I thought to myself, I've been teaching for a really long time and I didn't think of that and I should have thought of that, but you know what, what a great idea. It doesn't matter that I didn't think about it. What a fantastic idea. You know, where possible, we're gonna go with the scores to these concerts so they can sit there and watch the orchestra and connect the visuals on the page to what they're seeing in front of them, what they're hearing. Very clever idea. Don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but point is that they've thought of that and I've gone, that's great. Um, if the kids are, um, if they're kinesthetic, then you're gonna wanna come up with a whole bunch of little techniques to help them tackle some of the structures. And I'll actually go into that in more detail in another podcast. I've got a whole range of resources coming that talks about some of the practical tips and tricks that I've learned as a bassoon player and as a piano player and as a singer that help students to 
um, quickly assess and fix up you know technical problems or issues with uh, pitch or issues with maybe tuning origination or or whatever so that series is coming um, that's kind of going to come in another couple of weeks but regardless you give that kinesthetic learner a whole range of techniques to do and you get them to focus on it you give them the instruction you say to them I want you to do this for just three days I had one student that was rushing through this this one particular section it was only one section in their piano work and it was about a page's worth and I said to them all I want you to do is I want you to do it at half speed three times a day for three days do nothing else never don't touch anything else don't touch the front of it don't touch the back of it just do that page for three times a day at half speed for three days then come back and play it for me and it's quite extraordinary how that slow practice and locking them down to just doing that and preferably at night where it has the most impact uh, as far as memory is concerned they do it at night if they can do it before they go to bed that's even better but they do it late in the evening like late in the day then they will retain it a lot better sleep on it wake up the next day do it three times in a row at slow at half speed for three days they come back and it's quite extraordinary how many issues technical issues or landing issues can be solved from that single little technique and of course that's for somebody who is this particular student is a kinesthetic auditory person so um, that technique works really really well so you can see how learning the, working out the learning styles of your students can help you to then help them to prepare to be a master in their art because that's what they're trying to do when they get to the end of year 11 or year 12 they're trying to be a master of their craft um, particularly if you've got heavy performers or composers or musicology artists or whatever repetition is the key you know repetition and hours is the key anyway I'm looking at the clock and I can see it's about 10 minutes to go I've got about 10 minutes before I get to where I'm going so I'm gonna say farewell for today I hope that you've gotten something out of that little podcast I know it's a little bit different to um, the last couple that we've been doing um, because it's more talking about mastery and talking about learning styles but hopefully the students that are listening can start to analyze their learning style and look at the way that they process information and hopefully it will help them so don't forget if you want to check out more stuff for the podcast go to clarissacustommusic.com.au and gosh that was a really rough patch oh sorry it's another rough patch on the road i apologize if it's kind of getting a little bit annoying but we're nearly through this bit uh, don't forget go to clarissacustommusic.com.au uh, don't forget to join us on facebook find the youtube channel like us um leave a comment leave a review that's always really helpful uh, and don't forget to stay connected send me shoot me messages if you've got any questions or if you've got things that you want to hear on the podcast so until next time good luck to all those sydney uh, musos who are out there doing their uh, hsc and playing for all those hsc kids and good luck to all the kids doing their exam this week and next week and i'll catch you next week with a new podcast see you soon For more tips and tricks, head on over to clarissacustommusic.com.au.